Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, turning to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter number 21. 2 Samuel, chapter number 21. Love the Old Testament and how you can bring that to the New Testament, how you can bring that all the way through the book of Acts, um, mainly because the Bible is all of the Old Testament is then brought to light and it's fulfilled in the New Testament. And so very excited about reading about the Old Testament, seeing how we can apply things that happened there to where we are today in 2023 and beyond. Book of 2 Samuel chapter number 21, and it states in verse number 20, yet again, There was a war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature, who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in number. He was also born to the giant. So when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shema, David's brother, killed him. Another giant trying to defy the armies of the living God. And we see that there is another giant who was slain at the hands of someone in the lineage or family of David. For the next few moments, I would just like to preach to you, slaying yesterday's giants. Slaying yesterday's giants. And I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Let's just clap our hands to the Lord and pray that God would do what he needs to do. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We give you the glory and the honor and advance, God, for what you're about to do in this service, and we thank you, Jesus, for everything. Jesus' name. Have you ever, uh, honest confession is good for the soul. If you're a procrastinator, raise your hand. How many of you work best when there is no time left on the clock? All right, some of my best work comes when there's 30 seconds or less on the clock, if you will. However, there are some things in our lives that we tend to leave for the last minute and uh, can lead to trouble. For example, early on in uh, when we moved here to Kansas City, I remember my wife had left town for work and she said, hey, I left some towels in the washer. When you get home from work, could you kindly take them out and place them in the dryer. And anybody that's ever done laundry knows that if you leave towels in a washer with the door closed, that smell when you open it three days later when your wife asks you if you've moved said towels from the washer to the dryer is going to be a punch in the face. Yesterday's giants. (laughs) Then having to explain why uh, you're redoing the laundry all over again is not one of my favorite things, but there are times in our lives where some days um, we think about the things that we were supposed to do yesterday that we neglected to do. And um, we could go through the list. There would be story after story if we were to just talk about it. And one particular story in my mind, again, as somebody who is does my finest work under pressure with no time left on the clock, Never forget the lesson that was instilled in me when I was a young child. I was at my grandmother's house and my dad's mom, and she was 
um, raised under, um, a, a, she, she was German, so she was raised a little bit stricter. And they, the, the Germans, by nature, are very precise on things. Like, they, they've got it down. And she, uh, she said, hey, Nathan, um, would you mind taking this letter to the post office for me? It needs to be paid. It's a bill to be paid. And I'll never forget, I was sitting on her couch. I had my feet kicked up. Oh, man, I was enjoying life. She had just made us a snack. And the post office, this is back in the day where you could, you could send a five- or six-year-old to the post office, and you didn't have to worry about a thing. It was a small town, less than 1,000 people. And she goes, could you go to the post office for me? And I was probably eight years old. And uh, in my wisdom of an eight-year-old, I said, Grandma, I'll get to it when I can. Now, my grandmother, who is very precise, who has never been late to anything, who has never done anything later than when it should be done, goes, okay, and comes back later, no more than 45 seconds later, with a yardstick. <laughs> Some of you know where I'm going with this story. She goes, how about now? And I just hear, Whoa! on the hand, and I'm like, we'll go now. No problem, Grandma. We will go right now. It is not okay sometime to leave today's work for tomorrow. However, in our text chapter, we pick up this story of slaying yet another giant. The Bible narrative tells us, and we could fast rewind the story even further, that David is the central theme of this story as well. The Bible early on in this chapter, a little bit earlier, it says that David fainted from the battle. He was weary. He was weak. But David, we know, was a shepherd boy who was found by Samuel the priest, and he anointed him king over Israel, and he was the last one in Jesse's house. And we know the story, and if you don't know the story, I'll give you a 30-second overview. And they came to find a, a man, Samuel came to find a man that would be after God's own heart to anoint to be king of Israel, and Jesse puts everybody out, but he leaves David out there on the backside of the, of the shepherd place where he was herding sheep, and all of a sudden Samuel says, there's got to be some one else here because nobody else is it yet. So they bring David forward and David is anointed king over Israel. Well, David just a little bit later in his life then is encountered and he says, dad, I want to go visit my brothers on the front lines that are fighting against the Philistines. And there is this, this Goliath. I want to go visit my brothers. So he takes them a bread and cheese sandwich and he goes to them and David walks out to the scene to Goliath. And if you've been in church for any amount of time in your life, you could probably sing every song that the kids sing. You could probably recite the story. You know the meaning of the five smooth stones. But there was this moment where David hears Goliath defying the children of Israel. And he says that, I don't know what you guys are waiting for. This isn't okay. So he goes to Saul, and Saul says, put on my armor. And David says, this isn't fit for me. I just need to go handle this the way I know how. And so David goes. He takes the five smooth stones. He gets them in his little, his little his, uh, slingshot. There we go. Woo. We'll get it out. Slingshot. And he, he takes Goliath down. We know that story. But we pick up a little bit later in life because David had no fear because he knew what was inside of him. He knew that God was with him and he said, anybody that defies the Lord God of Israel has a problem with me. The enemy has talked so loud in these last few years against the church. 
And sometimes we're sitting there and we're waiting and saying, God, I don't know how much more defying you can take. I've done all I know how to do. I've stood my ground. I've stood for what I believe in. I stood on your word. And God, we sit there and sometimes we're just a little bit concerned with where things are. And David says, you know what, I'm going to do what I know how to do, and that's I'm going to place my hand, my life, the things that I've got, my talents, into the hands of a God that can do anything. So David does this, and we know this story. But here we are a little bit later. David is weak, and here we see the story of Jonathan. There is another man, the Bible states, of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes, 24 in number. He was also born of the giant. So when he defied Israel, the Bible states, it states that Jonathan, immediately, there is no question this time. There is no waiting. There is no wondering. There is nothing. The Bible states that he killed the giant. And I find it so interesting how God works. There is no doubt in my mind that he had heard the stories of his uncle slaying Goliath. There is no doubt in my mind that he had heard the stories of his uncle praising and worshiping God and bringing the ark back. There is no doubt in my mind that he had heard the stories of someone else that was able to defeat something, a giant, if you will, something that was so great in stature that everybody else began to get afraid and worried. And he said in his mind, he said, if it was good enough for my uncle, it's good enough for me. And the enemy has convinced some of us that there is no way we could ever live an overcoming lifestyle because it took family members out, because it took friends out. But I've come to just remind somebody tonight in the Holy Ghost that you can still slay yesterday's giants. You can still stand on the word of God and stand on every promise that is true and say God is able to do it. You see, it would have been easy though. For a giant, here is Jonathan again. The Bible never tells us that he was a praiser. The Bible never tells us that he was a worshiper. The Bible never tells us that he slayed giants and he had never slayed lions and bears up until this point. He would have said, you know what, that was good for David. That was good for my uncle. That was good for my family. He said, I could have stopped there. We could get the armies. But the Bible states that he heard him defy Israel and he stood up and he said, this has got to stop right now. And I've just come to remind somebody tonight, the enemy has been in your ear talking that there's no way that you'll be victorious. There's no way that you can live an overcoming lifestyle. The things, the sins of yesterday, the things that have come against you, but I've just come to remind you that you can still slay giants in the year of 2023. You can still overcome generational things that have happened to you, and the Lord is with you. And so we see this story, we see this narrative, and I again find it so interesting how There is this time in the Bible is so descriptive on what happens. We see that he says, you know what, this is, this is, you've defied Israel, it's enough for me. And I think sometimes that the greatest act of spiritual warfare is just telling the devil enough is enough. Sometimes the greatest act of spiritual warfare is saying I've listened to you for far too long. But I'm going to start to listen to the voice of God. And the reason being is that takes a whole lot of faith to step out into somewhere that you've never been before. Because sometimes when you're in the wilderness or sometimes when you're in a trial, it takes a whole lot of faith to say, God, I've never seen you in this moment. But the enemy's been telling me that you can't or I can't or we're not going to see this. And sometimes the greatest act of spiritual warfare is just saying God can God can. 
And so Jonathan here in this moment says enough is enough. And he kills the Goliath, the giant. He says God can. And the enemy tries. The enemy has had billions of people to practice on. You're no exception. His tools, his tricks have worked for generations. So he knows what he's doing. He's crafted plans so expertly and so perfectly to try and sink people. And sometimes in our lives we face things in front of us, mountains and, and giants, if you will. We're, we're sitting there and we're saying, I, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know what has to happen. And the enemy will convince us time and time and time and time and time again. As Sister Natalie was talking about, when we don't hear God answering or we don't feel God answering our prayers every single time, it's the enemy defying the Lord of Israel one more time. Saying, if God heard you, why would he allow you to go through this? If God loved you, why would he allow your family members to walk away? If God loved you, why would you have gotten passed over for that job? If God loved you, why would you be suffering this persecution? If God cared about you, the list goes on and on and on. And then all of a sudden, he starts to throw in the shame. He starts to throw in the guilt. He starts to throw in all of the things that he can begin to sink his claws into. But I've just come to remind somebody tonight that the sins of yesterday, the problems of yesterday you can still slay them today the things that the enemy has lied to you about you can still stand up and say God can God can and so David had the victory over Goliath and then Jonathan later in his life has the same victory over another giant you see David this story though David's victory over Goliath proved that God would always side with the people who stand when his name is being slandered. You want to know how some of the disciples in the New Testament just received faith and we sit there and we say, how did they have such faith? It was because they knew how to stand when the name of God was being slandered. When they heard Jesus and when they saw the persecution of Jesus and when they came back to and they said, you know what, we've seen you raised from the grave and we're going to go do whatever it is that you tell us to do. Whenever we partner with God and say, God, we are going to partner with you, we're going to believe in you, we're going to trust in you, God. When everybody else is doing the opposite, we're going to stand. God automatically, get, you get God's attention real quick. Because God says, there's somebody that I can trust. There's somebody that I can believe in. There's somebody that I can begin to work through and begin to see exploits and do exploits through. But when you're sitting there and when we don't know what to do and the enemy is taunting us and we hear the name of God and we see the church and we see things being slandered by the enemy and we just begin to sink down in our seat and God is just looking for someone tonight to say that I've had enough. God can. So... You see, generations have gone on before us to face this great battle that we see so that we can have the truth and the freedom that we have today. See, there are men and women of God who have gone on to their eternal reward already, who sacrificed, who bled, who faced persecution so that we could have the name that we have today, so that we could worship the way that we worship today, so that we could have this great message and what I think is happening here in this Old Testament story, and we're going to bring this to the New Testament in just a moment, was that David showed them the blueprint on how to receive victory when it seemed like the enemy was right there at your doorstep. David said, you know what? 
the things, the tools of this world. Saul, your weapons are great. Your, your armor is fantastic. But that's not how I know how to win a battle. The enemy will try to get us to settle for less than what we should be settling for. And God is saying, look, I just want somebody that knows how to get in a prayer room, that knows how to get in a relationship with me, that knows how to seek my face when all of the world is turned upside down and their world is turned upside down because all of a sudden you're laying the blueprint for a revival. You're laying the blueprint for a victory when you say, you know what, God, I, I'm just going to find my place in a pl place of prayer. You see, David was already praising and worshiping long before he ever came the king. Jonathan then now, later in his life, hears the stories and sees the blueprint and says, you know what, if David can do it, I can do it. It looks a whole lot like in the New Testament when Jesus is telling the church and he says, these things that I've done, you're going to go and do them. What was he telling them? He was duplicating himself. And David was duplicating himself saying, listen, you want to be able to overcome the giants in your life? Find yourself in a place of worship. Find yourself in a place of prayer. Find your posture seeking the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And so David laid this blueprint out so perfectly. And we have men and women of God in our church, Bishop Gleason, who has pastored this church for over 30 years and now Pastor Justin. They have been here. They have pastored. They have laid toil. And they've said, you know what? Let me show you the blueprint for success. Let me show you how to live an overcoming lifestyle. And all of a sudden when we say, you know what? If God can use them, if God can partner with them, if God can answer their prayers, I believe that God can answer my prayers. If I, they laid hands on the sick, I want to be able to lay hands on the sick. Why? Because the blueprint to overcome and slay yesterday's giants are here with us tonight. You see, the enemy has convinced some of us that there will never be victory. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but if we were to go around the room, I'm sure that there would be hands in this room that say, I don't see a path forward. Oh, I'll come to church, I'll do everything, but I just don't see how I can live an overcoming lifestyle. Woo. Let me just tell you. You can do it because God can. You know, there's some work that's going to be put in on your part. You're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to lay it on the altar. You're going to have to die daily on the altar. You're going to have to read the word and begin to fast and begin to pray. But I've just come to tell you tonight that you can still slay yesterday's giants. You see, there was talk of David throughout the land. The Bible states that afterwards it was noised abroad that David slayed Goliath. It wasn't Saul. It wasn't the man that God had turned his back on. Oh, no. It was the man who had the anointing. And Jonathan comes on the scene and he says, you know what? If David can do it, I can do it. And I've just come to remind somebody tonight, if you see somebody else living an overcoming lifestyle, you can live an overcoming lifestyle. If you need to slay some giants from yesteryear, you can do it tonight. You don't have to go down the same road that your family went down, but you can make it up in your mind tonight that I am leaving this place with the power of God. See, Jesus steps onto the scene and he says, you know what? I'm going to give the church the blueprint for victory. See, Jonathan, he told that, he told that giant, I'm sure that when he went out there, this is old news, news. You see, my family has already handled some of the mess that you handled. Now, let's not forget this either. His dad was at the battle where his brother cemented who he was. And all of a sudden, he says, you know what? My dad may not have had the faith at the moment, but now my dad has seen. And the historians tell us that it was after David slew Goliath that his brothers 
began to respect him as the king of Israel. That's what historians tell us. And could it be that as Jesus steps onto the scene, he finds himself and he walks through the scene. He walks through the crowd at a slow pace, healing people, touching people, showing the church what discipleship, what relationship is all about. But he came to stir up the religious and he came because they were oppressive and he came because society was in mess and shambles. And as Jesus steps onto the scene, the devils begin to act up like they had never acted up before. Things begin to happen that had never happened before. And don't forget that this was at a time where they hadn't really had a prophet in a long time. And Jesus steps up and he begins to quote the Old Testament. Begins to tell them that the things that you've read about, I am the Messiah. He said, I am the one that you're looking for. See, the enemy has convinced some of us that because we've been in a dark place for so long, that the giants that are in front of us, that when God is sitting over here and he said, you know what, I shed my blood for you, I died for you, and he's saying, I'm the one that you're looking for. The enemy tries everything he can do to block out the noise. Don't forget it was Herod that tried to wipe out all the young boys because he heard that the Messiah was born. He was trying to silence the noise. He was trying to say that there's nobody that you can worship, but oh, Jesus begins to walk onto the scene. He begins to school the religious, and he begins to say, look, I'm gonna show you how you can live in over coming life so Jesus says let me give the church the blueprint what does Jesus do when he gets here lays hands on the sick confronts the religious of the day says a man must be born of the water and of the spirit and have repentance in order to see the kingdom of heaven that was revolutionary for that time but here he is and he tells him he says he comes and then he conquers the grave and he conquers the enemy And he tells his disciples, you go do it. And then he returns to glory. And then a few days later, as they're in a prayer meeting, he sends his power to his people. What was Jesus doing in this moment? He was telling them that there are going to be times and giants that you face. Jesus, as Pastor Justin talked about on Sunday, was tempted. The enemy was trying to get him to exalt himself trying to get him to do all of these things. But Jesus wasn't having any of it. He was showing the church that you can withstand when the enemy is right in front of you. He was showing the church that though the enemy may tempt you, he may try you, he may test you, but you can still stand. Why? Because what I have placed inside of you, if you have repented and you have gone down in the name of Jesus and been filled with the Holy Ghost, can help you overcome any single giant, any single adversary. There may be a battle, there may be a test, but if you are a child of God, you can always have the victory and live an overcoming lifestyle. You see, Jesus was saying, you can slay yesterday's giants. You can stand on the word of God. You can trust what I have told you. And as the musicians come tonight, I have come simply to tell somebody this. That if you skip forward into the New Testament, it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. You see, in the Old Testament, Jonathan had to pick up physical tools and physical weapons to slay the giant, the thing that he was facing. But in the New Testament, we find that the pathway and the key to victory 
was getting on their face. Prayer. Jesus told them this kind does not come out but by prayer and but by fasting. Maybe in order to live an overcoming lifestyle and begin to slay some of the giants, maybe God is trying to get some of us to a devotion in prayer and fasting like we've never been before. That's between you and the Lord. But what I am telling is Jesus was laying the blueprint for the church to see the greatest revival that they had ever seen at that moment. And then on the day of Pentecost, we know the rest of the story that a great many number were added to the church that day throughout all of the book of Acts. And it was every single time that Jesus began to step onto the scene. He was telling them in the Old Testament, you had to wrestle. You had to do things with swords and with slingshots. But in the New Testament, when you invoke the name of Jesus, woo, something begins to happen. If you want to start to slay some giants that have reared their ugly head in your life, it might be sin, it might be shame, it might be guilt. It might be memories of the things that you've done in your past. It might be things where the enemy has come up to you and said, I remember when you did this. I remember when you did that. But I just want to encourage somebody tonight that you can stand on the word of God and say, you know what? I don't have to pick up a physical sword anymore, but if I find my place in the altar, I find myself on my face and I begin to seek God, all of a sudden the word becomes the sword of the spirit and we can stand up and say, you know what? I put on the whole armor of God. I don't need to look for anybody else's armor, but I have been putting on the armor of God and I can stand and begin to slay the giants in my life see the enemy will try to convince some of us that when we lift our hands there is nothing that's happening it's the sweetest sign of surrender when we lift our hands to the Lord Almighty (laughs) oh there's nothing more beautiful than I see when I look around and I see people just lifting their hands tears streaming down their face and I get it, we've got to praise, we've got to shout, we've got to worship, those things are important but one of the most beautiful things is when somebody is standing there in the presence of the almighty God with both hands lifted up, tears streaming down their face, why? It's because Jesus is doing something to let them know that there may be sin there may be darkness but I have overcome the world woo sin was great but his love was greater And tonight as we stand all across this place, the church in the Old Testament, the children of Israel had to physically fight. When Jesus stepped on the scene, they were expecting a warrior, a king to lead them into battle. But he said, I've got something greater. Oh, something greater. They sent them out. They saw miracle signs and wonders. They came back and he said, rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. He was telling them, there are going to be battles. The church is going to face things. You're going to face things. He said, but at the end of the day, we fight for one thing and that's to hear, well, good, well done, thy good and thy faithful servant. You see, slaying the giants today set you up for an eternity tomorrow where all you get to do is worship the Lord for the rest of eternity. Oh, if you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, tonight's your night. If you've never been baptized, tonight is your night. But when we begin to slay the giants today, we say, Jesus, 
I am going to do whatever it takes because I want to live an overcoming lifestyle. Something begins to happen. Something begins to happen. When we begin to invoke the name of Jesus and we begin to get his name on the scene, all of a sudden the demons begin to flee. The Bible states that the devil knows his name and he trembles at the name of Jesus. Whenever Jesus is invoked, the atmosphere begins to shift. And whatever you've walked in here with tonight, you can leave here at this altar tonight saying that I have touched Jesus. See, in the Old Testament, Jonathan has this moment where he's got to do something to slay this giant. But in the New Testament, we see the church, the early church, the apostles, and and what they do is they're being oppressed by Saul who became Paul. But what they do is they keep preaching. And Stephen is stoned. But they keep preaching. The church was being squeezed. But they kept going. Your life might be getting squeezed on every single angle. But just keep going. Your family may be in chaos. Just keep going. You know why? Because you're slaying giants that the next generation is going to look at and say, if they could do it, I can do it. You know why sometimes I worship when I don't feel like I want to worship maybe the way that I do is because I've got a five and a two-year-old right over there that watch every single thing that I do. Oh. You know, it's sometimes it can be hard and you're sitting there and you're saying, I, we don't do it for show. That's not what I'm saying. But sometimes we're just like, man, I, I would rather just sit here in my pew. It would be a whole lot easier than getting out there worshiping and lifting my arms. But you know what? I've got a five and a two-year-old that sit there and they watch me every single service. And they sit there and they know exactly what's going on. And I've got another generation that's coming after me just like David did that looked at him and said, if you can slay Goliath, I can stand with the Lord. And he He's going to answer my prayer. All across this place, let's lift our hands right now before we come to the altar. Jesus. I just, I just feel that somebody, you've walked in here and you've been, you've been praying for victory. I want you to know that you can leave here tonight in victory. This altar is open tonight if you want to come and just Let the Lord know that you're available to begin to slay some things in your life. And maybe it's not for you. Maybe you're going to slay things and maybe you're just going to worship and praise God and it's going to touch somebody else. You see, God, in the New Testament through Jesus, his son was reaching and he said, you know what? (laughs) You just come around me. You, You touch You touch the hem of my garment and you're going to change. This lady dealt with a giant for 12 years. One encounter with Jesus' garment changed her forever. So right now in this altar, if you've come down, I want you to just lift your hands right now to the Lord. The Lord is getting ready to move into this place and begin to sweep through here. He's getting ready to begin to restore and begin to heal. I'm going to slay yesterday's giants tonight so that I can live in victory, so that I can live an overcoming life.
Come on, the Lord is beginning to work, beginning to work right now. The Lord is beginning to stir right now. Lord, right now, we come before you, believing, God, that you are able to do it, God. You see every single person in this altar tonight, God. You know exactly where we're at. But, Lord, we are praying, God, that you would begin to defend us. We pray, God, that your hand would be upon us. And, Lord, I pray right now that we could leave here in victory. Those that have come here looking for victory. Those that have come here looking to leave in an overcoming life, oh, God. (laughs) I pray that as we lay ourselves on the altar, God, that we would leave here knowing that you can and you will. And, Lord, right now, We believe, God, that you are getting ready to loose things, God, that have been bound for a long time. The enemy has lied. And he's told some of us that we never can. But, Lord, right now we send every lie from the enemy back to the pit of hell from where it came from. And, God, I lose victory. I lose authority. I lose the anointing that destroys every yoke in this house, Lord, right now. As you lift your voice right now. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.